a king and we want him now. We want a king and we want him now. We want a king. So here we are, Dr. Mike. Welcome back to our uh, next episode. I don't know what order we're in here. I think we're out of order a little bit. We're a little out of order, but we'll be all right. That's okay. The people, the good people out there won't won't uh, be bothered by We'll revisit last week's topic in the next couple, three weeks. Um, so... Yeah, or we'll just you know record this first, but give it out later. Well, you know, well, what the, what, hear what, me now, but listen to me right. later. Is that what the dear listeners don't know is that you have some some wonderful opportunities coming up this week, so we won't be able to record later in the week. The so. end of summer has been. By the way, hello and yeah. uh, welcome to uh, this episode of Civil Discourse. This, this is, is not, not a, a safe space. space. <laughs> it's uh, wonderful as always to be with you here. We're we're recording in a different place today. Yes, we're recording in your dining room. This is the dining room, and uh, to you listeners out here, we're in. Um, obviously, it's my dining room. It's my home, and um, there may be children and dogs and telephones. This is there's not a controlled to, space either. There's liable <laughs> to be all of those things since we're surrounded Absolutely. by dogs and children are close at hand. But and we, we have, have guests, a special guest, we two in guests. particular, probably the most special guests we could ever have. Absolutely. And this, I, I have to tell these fine guests that we will introduce in a moment that they come on the heels of some very high standards amongst oh, our yes, guests. Mr. List. Peter. Mr. Peter uh, was uh, wonderful to join us. He, he was, and, and I, I see that the listening uh, are going out with Mr. Peter, so the ladies have to take us well, another it's, step. It's not like they're tuning in to hear us. So no, come on. no, never. So, But uh, our fine guests today are our illustrious, uh, marvelous, beautiful wives, actually. Absolutely. This is uh, my wife, Erin. Say hello, Erin. Hello, Erin. There it is. And my wife, Megan. Hello, Megan. <laughs> they are sisters, and you can tell. Yes. Same tired joke from 1937, 38. I, I don't know if we ever told our listeners, but uh, we are married to sisters. Yes, we told them in episode, episode one. Episode one. I've heard of sister wives, but we're, I guess, sister brothers. I, I guess we <laughs> That had connotations that I, I'm going to yeah, be poking my mind's eye don't, out don't about. Read, next, don't read next, too deeply. Anyway, so so we're here to talk about some some pretty serious stuff while we're laughing about it, and and there's some pers- perspectives. Sorry, at the table about this, and, and so I was hoping we could discuss uh, fostering adoption of children and things like that. And, uh, so, so kind of see where we go with that idea. The the reason we thought this would be great to bring the two of you in on this is because, you know, we as a family have had these conversations in general. But of course, uh, Mike and Megan, you are actively in the process of of foster care. And I think you've stepped beyond we've that. Ste- we've to stepped this. beyond it. He is now a ward of our family, which is really a real word. I didn't know that. I thought it was something in comic books. Yeah. But, we, but he is our ward. So we are the legal custody custodians of this young man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. We'll no, just leave okay. that out. But he uh, is now under our care. There's no court order visitation or anything. Uh, it's all on us. And uh, so there are no public funds anymore. CPS has basically cut their ties from him as far as him being a ward of the state. So, so now this is interesting because uh, to give some frame of reference, Aaron and I have gone through, we have one, one son on our own, as we've talked about before. And 
in the idea of potentially expanding our family, we looked into foster care. Now, we are also in different states. We're right. physically here together, but you guys are down in Virginia. We're up in Connecticut. And a lot of, I think, not a lot, but all the systems are based on the state you're in. Right, right, individual right. Yes. Rules. Okay. So there are some differences. Significant, apparently. Yes. Now, and even within those differences, you guys have sort of a special situation. So when we went through the foster care training, it was through the state. You guys had to go through the training. We did. But, but, but we're the, what's called fictive kin. And that's the big difference. Right. When we were doing our preparation for this care, the child, so to speak, that might potentially come to stay with us under the foster system would have been assigned by the state, right. uh, having no relation to us specifically. I don't know to what extent you're comfortable sharing, but it's probably no, worth it. No, we addressing. have a relationship with the biological family. And they came uh, to you, if I understand. And they right? did come to yes. us uh, and ask if we would be interested in fostering him at the time. And um, I, I will say that his uh, one of his relatives is a friend of mine. You've yeah. met him. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so I talked to him about it and made sure the family was comfortable with us stepping in. And, and he assured us that he was and they were. Uh, so we stepped in. And unfortunately, um, things hadn't gone so well for the family. And now, we leave it at that. Uh, the young man was... In the custody of the state care. for a time. He was a, a, a ward of the state for five, how it was old about was five or six months. Five or six months? He was well, almost that, six and time. a half before we got him. He was six and a half before he got him, and then custody went away. A year after, well, two months ago about. Two months ago about. A year I, after um, he entered foster care. So just... For timeline's sake, because this is interesting to me, at least, between the time that he went into care, which was removed from his parental care, uh, biological parental care. Right. And the time that you were approached by the family to potentially step in, what was the timeline of him being in the state? At least three, three and a half months before we got contact. I think it was May when they reached out to us. Initially. So he was already or in. When was it? They initially, he went into foster care the end of June mm -hmm. and we were contacted um, mid-August. Okay. Okay. To, to be a, to potentially be a foster parent for him. But as we were not currently certified at that time, we had to go through the whole certification process. And that took four months. And that took from, we started in September once we got the paperwork right. in, so and now we, he could could he have or did he stay with you until no no he was in a temporary now they they had we not been fictive kin means uh, you're like a shirt tail uncle mm -hmm. so so you have that family member that's very close with the family that yeah. you call Uncle Joe or whatever and so that's our relationship with them had we been the biological grandparents he could have been placed with us uh, or or parent now, now our, our uncles so it changes a little well this is why I'm asking yeah because in the state of Connecticut. If you are actual kin, you still need to go through. You still have to go but through the, the process. But the child could actually be living with you while you're going through it, from what I understand. In Virginia, I, I think they can. If you're, if you're going blood. through the process. If, if you're going blood. through the process. There yes. were people in um, the class we took that um, they were speeding them through the process because they did get custody of. They already had the child. Of the child 
within a, you know, a week or two of, I guess the class starting things were moving pretty quickly. And so they wanted to get them certified because the child was staying with them. It's been a while since we did it, but my memory is that that was sort of the process up here too. If those circumstances were were aligned. Yeah. I think they can speed you through the process. I I can't remember, to be honest, if the child can be in your care. Well, for example, if they remove a child, again, this is my memory. If they remove a child from their uh, biological parents and there's a grandparent, again, blood, that is willing, they'd rather go straight to that space. Yes. And and while the child is already now in custody. It was accelerated for us. The process is Mm -hmm. normally six months and, and we did it in four we kind of had head of the line privileges mm. and did not have to go. We, we had to get hit the same number of hours, but a lot of us was self-study where we, we watched a whole series of videos uh, on our computers and had to do the quizzes and stuff. How, so, much, how much of that was it always self-study and online in a normal process or how much? Of that I don't was know. COVID? I don't know. I think some of the online stuff we would have had to do no matter what, because some of it was like mandatory reporter training. And then just, um, there was another, uh, training that we had to do. And then the, the abuse, it was, it was abuse. It was abuse. abuse. Okay. So we went through the pre COVID, of course, we went through the state classroom. classroom. It was actually in class. Yeah. We we did ours online once a week. Um, for, I don't know, three hours. It frankly seemed, you know, you're, Working people at the end of a long day. Now oh, you're going to go sit in the thing. classroom. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'll add that one of my, I really had to restrain myself from the eye roll, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that we are parents and you've got two boys that are grown. And Megan, you've certainly spent your entire life around children as a teacher. So um, in addition to having a hand in raising your younger brother and all this other stuff, we are, I think, arguably experienced, you know, our kid's still walking and talking. So we haven't. He still has all his limbs. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) So sometimes and and I do understand, you know, there's there's an element of of circumstances that a lot of these kids will have been through that are not going to be what our experience was in our home with our child and so forth. So there are some special things that one should probably be prepared with. Then there's all the other stuff that, you know, you think, you know, come on, I'm sitting here for this. But what I want to get to in this conversation, and uh, I think the, the broader conversation are some of the perceptions that put people in a state of pause or, or really ruling out the idea of adoption and foster care as something that just wouldn't be right for them, either as a, an element of just going through the headache, so to speak, of it, and or in the concept that they have of how to grow their families, this just doesn't seem like something that a lot of people feel uh, is, is right for them in some fashion. Well, and I think it's the idea Two things occurred to me while you were talking about that. So Megan's and my grandfather was put into an orphanage at a very young age. His mother died shortly after he was born of the, you know, in the the Spanish influenza pandemic. And so his father, having a young child and now a baby and being a widow at the time, he placed his son into an orphanage. Orphanages no longer exist in in the the United States. It is the the state-run foster care systems. Um, 
But this was a child who came from a family of, you know, working parents and, you know, some means. But this was merely an example of a family that said, I, I'm not at a space at this point to care for this child. And they needed temporary care for him. And then for, they needed temporary care. Now, our grandfather was taken back into the home. He was actually first taken in by an aunt and uncle mm. while um, his dad kind of got himself together mm. and ended up um, marrying a lovely woman who took my grandfather and his older brother in as her own. And mm. they proceeded to have like four other children. Right. But I think the, the point being is that children go into care for any number of reasons. And yes. it's not always the horrors Right, that right, right. film and television often portray. Well, and parents can need that help for any number of reasons, which is not always a degree of ne neglect. Right. That's often the case, not to get it confused, but frequently there are just circumstances where, look, you know, the, the children don't come with a manual. Well, <laughs> in, in the case of our little guy, his parents were not neglectful. Yeah. They had other challenges that they were dealing with and, and beyond their control. Yeah. And many, much of it was beyond their control. And so this is not a case of, of bad parenting or, or um, not uh, inattentiveness. This, this was a case of other challenges being presented to those, those folks. So uh, there, beyond there, their control. Right? There, there are two aspects that um, I think people struggle with. And, you know, on one hand, Regardless of the need that is great for children who need homes and, and loving families, whatever the circumstances that led them to that need, if on the, on the and I'm going to use the word selfish, even though that's not in the common in, uh, use of the word that, that most people think of, when we are thinking of our own family and for whatever reason, continuing to have our own make our own babies is either not something that we can do or choose to do part of the struggle a lot of people deal with is somehow feeling that a child that is not my own biologically is somehow not the same not part and and this is a major issue for a lot of people yeah. getting over that element well I, I, go ahead i'm sorry I, I think there's also and megan and i talked about this once the concept of mommy and daddy, those are names. If you ask any child who's mommy, like if I went to, to y'all's little boy, who's mommy? Mommy is when he cries, that's the person he wants. And that's you, you know, mommy and daddy are you guys, because when he cries, he doesn't want to come to me. He doesn't want to go to Uncle Frederick. He wants. Well, no, let's be honest. I mean, it's me. I know it's me. Come on. But and I think there's <laughs> but I think there's that element of is the child going to feel like mine? I think the other point that comes in here, which is interesting, is people going, well, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> and and you had foster children in your home growing up. I'm pointing to Frederick. Well, the, and yeah. And yeah. well, and I remember. He's Chad. Charles, by the way, on I'm the sorry, podcast. Charles. I'm sorry. Um, but I, and I remember talking to your mom about it once about what was her trepidation with doing this, having, you know, foster children coming into the home. And she said, you never know what you're going to get with a biological child. That's, that's a not. fact. And, and, I, that, that, and I thought yeah. she's exactly right, because you can get any any number of challenges. By the way, it's the same thing with dogs, too. There's, you know, <laughs> you go get a purebred doesn't mean it's going to be some 
perfect animal well, in the world. I think any any animal, uh, human or otherwise, has their own unique Absolutely. personality. And, and you're you going to discover it. <laughs> and you are. And, and, you know, I find it interesting because why you don't know what you're going to get, you, you've been around the three of us. Could I love them any more if you were my own? Well, that's the thing that, I, I, unfortunately, it's a path you can't know till you've walked it. Right. Um, some people may be more intuitive. Others have to discover it. But I can guarantee you. So, you know, big revelation. I'm adopted. Which is, you around the yeah. table know that. Um, Our listeners do not, though. And some, Most of them they do, do now. They do now. Um, and in no way is there some sense of conflict in my mind as to who my parents were. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they're mom and dad. That's what it is. And, and there's... That's pretty much like natural parents, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. I, there's no asterisk that comes with them. No. There's no, well, they're my adoptive parents. Now, no. I do think there are some families that do struggle with that. I, mm -hmm. I think it was my mother told us, or I forget, but there was some, maybe it was you, I don't remember. I'm pointing at Aaron. It's not a video medium here. Uh, <laughs> but I, I recall this story where there was a parent introducing their children yes. both biological and adopted or foster I foster can't remember. it was it was from your mom it was these it are okay. these are our you know these are our sons charles, whomever they were introduced charles and mike and, oh and here's our foster son and your mother described watching the foster the, the, child. the physical reaction of the foster child because that child was just placed on a different level as opposed to segregated away from the status right, of right. the biological children which by the way if you're thinking about it that's not a cool thing to do no it's, it's it's a bad move <laughs> and and it's funny because uh in my history uh, i've had a lot of quote adopted sons mm -hmm. kids i taught right kids i taught and I was out with Jake and one of them. I can't remember which Jake one. Being Jake your being son. my son, son, my biological son. Jake being my biological son. And I was out with, and I said, oh, these are my two sons. And he, he wasn't even formally a son. And now, the person looked at me like I'd grown a third eye because I must reveal that the um, shirt tail son was black. But <laughs> I said, let them well, figure it out. You <laughs> so, know, in the modern world, that doesn't mean right, it doesn't. or school. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Um, but, but you do get odd looks. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, but, you know, adoption is something that, you know, as long as it's, uh, you know, human, it is in the realm of, of, of family. And there, depending on the circumstances, you know, one of the other things that I think people, if they if they look into it, there's a lot of support. There is a lot of support. It's hard work. You are going to be dealing with a lot of stepping up on your own, but there is a lot of support put out there through both the state process and private. There's support groups. There are. Uh, I have know. a colleague who's adopted. She's got uh, children that she adopted, and she talks about the support group. And her children are now older. But she talks about the connections that they made, the connections that they made with other families, the connections that her children made with other children. And that has also become a, you know, a support network and a family network for them. And I think that goes to your point about there, there are many places to go and it doesn't have to be a, a chat room. No, uh, it's but this brings back to something you said, both Megan and Mike earlier, that when he transitioned out of foster care into ward status, that financial support from the state dropped gone. off. It was gone. This is interesting to me because my memory of our training in Connecticut, now again, Virginia is different, was that 
uh, both in foster and beyond the point of adoption. I don't know that there's any transitional ward period up here. Um, that there is a fair amount of ongoing support that comes from the state right up through the college level. So in the state of Connecticut, they Including are, insurances. Yeah, they're eligible for insurance. And then, which, is, which is the current, I know you were mentioning the current you were fight that we that. have right now is to get my company's insurance to recognize because them. the state is not providing. No, he, he's currently he's uninsured, so mm. uh, which is is painful. Now, now when I get this deal with my company straightened out, it will be retroactive to the date that we okay. awarded custody. So we'll, we'll get that money eventually. Uh, but um, it, it's such an odd situation that the company doesn't know how to handle it. Basically, yeah. well, well, he's not your son. But you have custody. It's interesting, though, because it's this. These are the idiosyncrasies of the country that we live in and that it is state by state. So there are 50 different ways Mm -hmm. that this could be done. And insurance providers and I'm not making excuses for anybody. It's insurance providers saying, how do I understand those 50 different permutations and combinations that could exist? But at the end of the day, this is a child who needs care and any parent, regardless of their economic status, wants their child to have access to health care. Of course. And, and, you know, the fortunate part is that we're blessed as a couple and we've done financially very well. The negative of that is he's not eligible for CHIP or, or Medicaid because of our income levels. The compounding thing was when they told us that he didn't get coverage I started to look, can we get him coverage? Because we're both covered. Mm -hmm. You can't get a child coverage without a parent attached that I can figure out how to do it. Now, I haven't gotten on the phone. I just did it online. Uh, Again, state of Virginia. That may not be the case. Because insurance is state by state by state as well. Mm -hmm. So so I'm struggling struggling with that right now. Uh, And I'm not trying to make this a pity party. We'll get it worked out in the next month or so. But it's a challenge a lot of people are going to deal with. Um, depending on the regulations and opportunities offered within your state. So it's something worth considering. There are there are two points, and as we step into the not a safe space portion of this uh, podcast, there are two really controversial elements about foster and adoption that keep coming up in conversations around this topic. And I think it's worth breaking into some of this. And we'll start with one, which will lead to, to the other. Um, it's sort of the, the, the end of two different spectrums, dealing with the end of life as, as opposed to the beginning. And of course, as we know, abortion is a major issue in this country, you know, whether it's political or religious, even though those two lines get blurred further and further mm-hmm. together. And, you know, the, the language gets used around abortion. I don't believe in it and this and that and the other. Um, and I don't really care about that so much. That's a future topic. <laughs> well, and, and, and to me, that's not even interesting right. in its own right. right. What, what the, the only reason it matters to me at all is because a lot of the people I have personally had these conversations with will combine the two concepts of, I don't believe or uh, support abortion. And also I would never consider adopting. And this is where I have an issue, because if we're not going to allow abortion to happen, regardless of where you stand on that opinion, fine, let's accept that. Now we are going, people are going to have sex. Let's not 
It's going to happen. And they're going to have unprotected and, sex. Yes. And children are going to be born. And even if you do everything right, there's still always the possibility. Course. Children are going to be born, and sometimes the the uh, the, the donors, so to speak, <laughs> are, are not going to be in a position, unfortunately, in maturity, finance, whatever, to care for them. We cannot just throw these babies out literally with the bathwater. We have to have ways of dealing with them. And look, they got rid of uh, uh, orphanages. orphanages because they said this is not a, a an acceptable way for children to be raised. But when you're going from foster house to foster house to foster house, and at some point when you can't find anyone, now mm-hmm. being put in half, not halfway houses, well, they, but they have fallback or, or temporary uh, What are essentially foster. orphanages within the modern context. Right. They just have a different name. This is no way to be raised either. No. And if you get to a certain age, the general Well, uh, 18, you age up. Yeah, eighteen. Nobody's going to adopt you. Well, with a few eighteen exceptions. is sort of a. It depends I do again need to on interrupt. the state. This, yeah. Virginia does not pull the rug out from under a kid at eighteen, mm-hmm. and, and so they can continue in the system in a uh, voluntarily level and think until they're twenty three or something like that. It's wasn't it? somewhere? It's do they some provide early twenties. They provide uh, financial incentives for the kiddo uh, uh, or young person yeah. at that point. Uh, where they'll supplement their income. If they're going to college, they'll make sure they have enough income well, and to go to college. And, that, and, and, and that's great because I turned 18 when I was still a senior in high school. Sure. And there's no way that in January of my senior year of high school, I would have been ready to make decisions. Now, they, the they are good through school, by the way. Right. That doesn't It doesn't even kick in until the end of that. Yeah. And they are encouraged to maintain their relationship with their foster family. And, if they're in, and, the if they're in a foster family. situation. Yeah. so Or they will find them another adult to work with. Now, this is the trip. state of Virginia, this which is and that's Virginia. great to hear. But there are more than plenty of examples and some of them are not nearly where you're in a system... <laughs> The system is, you know, a less than an ideal uh, growing experience for the child. They hit 18 and it's utter cutoff. You're an adult. Off you go. And, and, what, and I mean, talk about being set up to fail. There's another thing, though, that, that you brought up. And, and in the current climate, when I talked to, to, to the uh, agency that we dealt with, which is a state agency, there's a desperate need for foster parents today. Oh, absolutely. They don't have enough. This is my point. Yeah. And there's it's an interesting thing because I recently participated in a charitable event through work. And this young man got up and he spoke. It, it was related to foster children in that what he was doing was providing a duffel bag, a hygiene kit, crayons and a coloring book and stuffed animals. And the idea was that many of these children will not have these basics. They might put their things in a garbage bag and it's the garbage bag that follows them from home to home. And this idea was give them a duffel bag, give them a teddy bear that's something they can take with them as they move through and the comfort that that might bring. And I will admit when he got up and started to give his preamble to the group, I was waiting for my, I will admit the hairs on the back of my neck went up thinking of Megan and Mike and thinking, you're not allowed to bash foster parents and thinking of your parents. It's like, you're not allowed to bash foster parents. And he didn't, he, he started off, he started off and then he went into, there aren't enough and the States are in desperate need. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, unfortunately, I'm not in a position to do this, but here's what I can do. Right. And here's what I am choosing to do to help support these children. But I think the, the thing is, is that it is a process. And I think as people are looking at it, A, do I want to go through 
the process and then B, this idea of, because I've heard it from people, it's not my child. And it's like, it's a child. Real, real quickly, uh, speaking to the process and you gave me this transition, I want to talk to Megan about her experience with the process. So Megan, how would you characterize the experience we had dealing with the state agency? Well, I will say we were told from the beginning that you're going to get a very thick packet that you have to fill out. And we were also told that that is usually the stopping point for a lot of people, that people get that big, thick packet of papers that they have to fill out. And it scares them. So, so thick being and literally, and I, I, I don't want to interrupt, but thick being probably an inch and a half thick of papers mm-hmm. you have to fill out. Go because ahead. you have to fill out basic information, who you are, mm-hmm. who's your employer. Then it goes into, you have to have like an escape plan for your home. What's your fire safety escape plan. Then for all of your siblings, there is a, paper you have to fill out about your relationship with each of your siblings. It's a separate paper for each sibling. For those of you listening, my wife just dropped her jaw to the floor. Well, I, and I have <laughs> I have five siblings, so I had to do this five times. There was also paperwork asking about your relationship with your parents, one for your mother, one for your father. Um, you had to go through um, and get a background check. You had uh, to be fing- they got personal too. They right, asked, fingerprinted. They asked situations you had dealt with in your own childhood had you ever been molested had you ever been mm-hmm. abused had you ever been this or that well and a lot of those questions are reasonable oh, they're, things they're, to look yeah, into they're legitimate I mean, questions you yeah. don't want to be giving a a, 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 a vulnerable child to a vulnerable human <laughs> yes. and they also you went through i mean not only did you have the paperwork but you were assigned a resource worker who then came in assessed your home to make sure you had a place for a child to stay, but then came back and did separate interviews with both Mike and myself and went through asking us questions about the paperwork that we'd submitted about different relationships and things that we had put on the paper, our relationship with each other. How do we handle different things? And so that took probably about three hours in total time just between the two of us. And so that, 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 like I said, I can see how the process would scare people once they find out not only do they have to do all this paperwork, they have the interviews, they have the background checks, then they have to sit in class for an extended amount of time and do all these other things that go along with the class. It's a lot. Well, it's a lot of work, but it's it can it's very rewarding. You've well, just got to stick with the process. Agreed. And it's having spoken with people who do this internationally, it's a lot of the same process internationally, too. You still need the background checks. You still need the, the packets. And all those things. And, but I agree with you. I think people get intimidated by the process. Well, it's, but it's all for the right reasons. And and the other thing I wanted wanted to say, and and, and Megan, please chime in here. Uh, All our interactions with these, these folks who are the evil CPS workers, as we portray them in, in the media. CPS. Child Protective Services. Okay, just uh, you know, and and if you go searching for Child Protective Services in any news aggregator, you're gonna get a, a slew of horror stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm not disputing that those things. Uh, I, I'm not saying they don't occur. I'm sure there's there's some truth to that. But much like teachers or or anyone else, uh, the the experience we had was wonderful. And, and I think um, our, our advocate, you get an advocate, the child gets an advocate, the parents get an advocate. And, and our advocate was, I think she was a very fine human being who was truly concerned for us. Well, I, I think the other thing is when we went through our class, we actually had 
a social worker who came in who she revealed as she was sitting there with us that she had removed children from a home the night before. Oh, yeah. And to see the emotional strain that this had placed on her and hearing a bit of that, it really gives you an appreciation. These people have a hard job and they burn out. Oh, they do. Yes. A social worker, this was her first case. And uh, she truly, truly loves that little boy. And I just said his name. Well, because there's so many things out there. <laughs> but but anyway, I um, I I I can't besmirch uh, anybody from that agency. Megan, what do you think? No, I agree. They were they were always there and very supportive of us and worked with us when we um, when we finished our class, but we we're awaiting finalization of all of our paperwork and things like that. Um, they wanted to make sure that we got to meet this little guy. And so they started having us come to visitations with the parents so that he could get to know us before he transitioned into our home. They wanted to make sure that, you know, he got along with us, that he did, that it wasn't too traumatic or, or anything. And we started out with half an hour visits and visits lengthened to an hour. And then before he was placed in our home, he did an overnight stay while he was still in his temporary home just to make sure that, again, there were no issues. Well, it's also showing the focus on the child that they have. They Ex- really are focused on what is best for Nobody the child. Nobody goes into, uh, you know, these careers, social, with any kind of selfish intent. No. There's, there's no way you're serving yourself aside from feeling good about the work mm-hmm. you're doing. The pay is lousy. The hours are endless. And, and the horrors you have to witness and be engaged with are far too frequent. So, you know, these people deserve every blessing upon them. And, you know, also, again, whatever, the, you know, we as relatively uh, adjusted, well-adjusted adults. Except you. Yeah, you know, I was going to say. Um, which is why Jonathan comes through. I messed his name again. It's okay. We're just we're going <laughs> to just leave it. We'll we're just, no, we'll just we'll leave it. I, I'm, I'm argued, but anyway. Um, but you know the the thing that we have to remember is that these kids, even if they're not going to remember it as an adult, those early days on this planet are establish a lot of things in their psychology, and if they're in the system. Something when, you know, with the exception of situations where there were just circumstances right. where the parent wasn't able to, and that does happen and is not perhaps all that infrequent, uh, a lot of these kids have been through hell. Well, you know, I remember from high school psychology, Megan, um, they taught, we went through, according to one uh, study, what were the developmental levels? And your first one or two years is trust or mistrust. Right. It's where you, it's where you learn that. And so when you think about that and, and we talked about as part of the course, each level builds on the next. So as you start to think about that, if as a very young child, I'm taught to, you know, mentally, I don't trust, how does that impact me as I move through? So when you think about these children, every child enters life, you know, wanting to be fed and loved. It's very fundamental. Really quick interjection here. Uh, The temporary foster home that Megan has referred to multiple times. uh, 
also absolutely wonderful people. They were actually our area's foster parents of the year. They, they currently are fostering a, a young lady with developmental issues, um, hearts of gold, uh, still in, in, in the boy's life and, and are a big part. In fact, their daughter is our nanny. Mm. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm, so, Megan, I, I don't know if you want to add on to this, but I thought uh, your thoughts about the folks. They did. They were very loving and there was a, a bond created and he still is very affectionate towards them. Well, I think that that leads to a, a very interesting thing because a lot of foster kids before they find permanency do often end up in a number of different homes. And if you have any kind of a heart beating in your chest at all, and the child is anything less than a complete monster, you know, right, depending right, right, on what right. your experience is, there's no way you don't, you know, have some for, form of attachment in both directions built. And yet, you know, now you guys were a special case, but in some cases I can foster, I can't adopt because right. mm -hmm. I just don't have the ability to do that or whatnot. And I know my parents went through a number of foster children <laughs> long before and after they adopted me. And there were some real traumatic departures. Well, this that, one, this one was sad. I yeah. mean, they were both they were very emotional at the time of turning Jonathan over to us. And, and I was kind of a butt because I, I wanted to accelerate the process. I didn't want to draw it out much longer. And, and so I basically skipped a couple of temporary visits and said, let's just play some please if we can. And, and, and the agency agreed. And of course, I didn't consider their feelings. I, yeah. I was very focused on getting him into the home uh, because I wanted him a month earlier. And so I never took into consideration their feelings, and and I've apologized for that. But uh, they truly love him, and well, there's no doubt. No matter how it happens, it's a a, a bandage being ripped. Of, of course. course, yeah. But and she said, she said, I know he's going to a better place. This is not. Uh, uh, these are sad tears, but it's not because of where he's going. It's just yeah. because I I love him. Right. There's you know, and look, listeners. No matter how it plays, good ending, sad ending, whatever it is, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. Well, <laughs> and the other thing is, regardless of where the child ends up, somebody's heart is broken. Right. Even, yes. even that parent who yeah. who really wants that child but is unable to take that child, yeah. their heart is broken. Mm -hmm. And we have to acknowledge that. It doesn't matter if they were... Whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever kind of parents they were, they still have an, an emotional attachment to that child. I think it's a recognition. What really struck me was when you get ultimate parentalship of the child, the biological parents, the term is termination of parental rights. You yes, are terminating <laughs> your rights as a parent. And those are very strong words. Which, by the way, I mean, let's not understate it. This is a what one of the top three biological imperatives of life right right eat shelter food shelter and reproduction right mm -hmm. right i mean so when something like that even though we are you know evolved people we're, we're please, really not <laughs> we're, we're as animal kingdom as they come and especially mothers i think i think it's both fathers and mothers but of course there is a special bond that a mother has with the child that she's born uh and that whatever the circumstance may be, it's not a happy place. Well, we we watched an incident when we went into court to to become the guard, legal guardians mm -hmm. of Jonathan. Uh, I don't know, Megan, are you interested in? It was um, 
there was a father who was in the courtroom before us. And when he came out, he was visibly upset, which led us to believe that at that particular point, they may have just terminated his parental rights. He was visibly Mm -hmm. upset. He had come out once during the court proceeding and the bailiff had come out with him and then he went back in. And then when it was over, he came back out and it, you could just, and, and when we went into the courtroom, uh, two, three minutes into our proceeding, you could hear him wailing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, and Frederick's heard me say, tell this story. I had a, a very good friend of mine from college who she and her husband adopted a little boy and they adopted him internationally. And she talks about the when they went to the country where they adopted him from, that first night when he was with him, it was a very emotional night because I think he was about 18 months old. They had had interactions with him, but of course he had now been removed from the home. And she told me, it cracks me up every time I talk about it, but she talked about that whole night he cried. Yeah. And she said, I sat up with him all night and I held him. And she goes, after that, he was mine. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's heavy stuff. And we, and we knew it would go this way. <laughs> Sisters. Where's the rope? <laughs> so, but but so, I think it, go, it goes to show that, yeah. you know, that emotional yeah. attachment and you're, you're trying to, pro, you, you provide that. And of course, of course, I, I, I think, uh, and, and our blessing was that this little guy is so versatile and, yeah. and such a, yeah. and we had established a very close relationship before he came into the home that we didn't go through that pain. And, uh, I'm sure he had some adjustment period to go through, and uh, but and still is, of course, of is. course. The the he he he's still a little clingy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's obvious he's a little clingy, and and you know, uh, while I think he um, will sooner or later overcome that to some degree, I, I think that he'll be a little more attached, wanting to be attached, uh, because in spite of his age, I'm pretty sure he knows has maybe not intellectually knows but there's some feeling in him that that drives him to to want to make sure that you're close by and and you see he wants to see you he'll run out of the room he'll run back and check your letter run back and go back and forth and uh, I, I think there is some uh, some still some sign not next necessarily negative but there's some sign that he knows that he needs to make sure that one of us is close by well but let's be honest as a as a parent, you want the hugs to last as long as they of can. Of course, <laughs> of course. They're moving away at some point, people. So you know, get it. Well, in you know, I, my kids, my kids are older, and the hugs last. It's it's a lot of the other uh, emotional stuff that goes away that that you just have or to. It becomes understand. less frequent. It is of, much less of access, frequent, you know. and, and not just access. I think as we mature, we need our parents in different ways, yes. and, and so we need their wisdom, perhaps. Uh, to this day, my sons always call me before they have a major decision to mm-hmm. make in their lives and want to hear what I think. They don't always listen. Shame on them. But 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 they do want to hear what I say. Well, and I mean, look, we all listen to our parents. Oh, every yeah. subject. But, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's funny you should say that because I, I wanted to work this in somewhere and you just gave me the opening. The, the, I'm, a, I'm a Bible-believing kind of guy. And uh, the commandment that you need to honor your father and mother is written because we don't tend to do that. So we have to be reminded to do it. You know, God doesn't tell you to do stuff you would have done anyway. He doesn't tell you you have to eat. He doesn't tell you any of that stuff. But he does tell you the things you need to do that you don't want to do. And that's 
honor your parents because I'll tell you, sometimes that's really hard. Yes, it is. <laughs> so. Well, and, and, you know, the, the word honor can be True interpreted in many ways. I, I don't dishonor, you know, in, in the times that I've been in conflict with my parents, I'll speak from personally. It's not a lack of honoring their, their sacrifice, their contribution, their effort with me. Sometimes they're just damn wrong. <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, and, and that brings me to, to the question I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. uh, Charles, uh, when you, um, when did you find out you were adopted? Oh, I've always known. I still remember the day it happened. Uh, so in about, the how, about how old were Well, you? I came to their doorstep with the foster... Uh, with the CPS. CPS. I think, was it 16 months? 16 or 18 months. Old. Um, and I think the official adoption didn't happen until I was six or eight or something. It was quite oh, a so few years. Oh, so it was a good while. Yeah. Yes. And this is going back... 30, 40 years, somewhere in that, in that range of, of process. So, you know, whatever the technicalities of the modern day may be, it still took a while to go through the process back when. What's hilarious is uh, one of the things that put a bit of a pause for Aaron and me going through the state foster care process is we got, we finished the classwork and all this other stuff. And then they started doing home studies and we live in a house that is by no means handicap accessible. And there are, not unreasonable to my thinking, but there are a degree of hazard potentials, whether it's a staircase or we have, uh, we heat with wood, so there are, you know, hot places one can find themselves uh, if they're not careful. But our window sills being slightly oversized sit lower to the ground than your standard. About two feet off the floor. Yeah. Basically. And and things of this nature, and especially on the second floor of the house, when the uh, the official came in and looks around and starts saying, okay, you're going to need to do this. It was everything from, you know, <laughs> I maybe overstate the issue, but I said, you know, hey, he wanted us to put bars on the windows. Now, he may have just meant a security bar to make sure they couldn't physically get out. But we never really got to the point of being absolutely sure what he wanted. He could have literally meant you get an older child that could break this window upstairs. It's easy to get out and over and, you know, there could be a problem. The, the wood-burning fireplaces, they wanted to just put significant... Uh, like barriers. Half, half your yeah, basically. So that, and again, we've already raised a child. I myself was raised around these things. You know, you, no is still a word we can use well, and, and, and figure this out as opposed to turning our house into what felt in that time. And I realize I probably overreacted, but like you're saying, let's turn your house into practically a prison, you know, safe space that. Parenting, I think, could have been a fine solution as opposed and to this is not And this is not a safe space. <laughs> no, well, no. It, 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 it's interesting because we, we've talked about it, the fact that the home where you grew up is well, on that, a lake. That was, yeah, exactly. And there was a stairwell with no banister. So and the house I grew up in that my parents uh, fostered and adopted and raised me in, uh, sits down a long driveway downhill from the road and you continue past the house into a backyard that leads down to a lake. And in the house, there are stairwells, open fireplaces, wood stoves, this, that, and the other. 
And I always joke based on today's standards, if the, uh, the, the, the social worker would have gotten out of the car, taken three steps down the driveway, turned around and walked right back up and said, nope. So, so I've, I've been to this house. He does not exaggerate it. A, an eight-year-old could get a good running start at the top of the hill and go right into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, they, but again, so, I'm a fan of parenting, not barricading. Of course. And well, my of course. parents parented, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, cutting, building walls and, and fences and all this other well, stuff. Well, but you look at that and, and, and I look at this as part of the evolution of our society, right, wrong or indifferent, that says these things have come into play for a reason. Mm-hmm. We may not always agree with the reason, but I always get paused because you say, what led this to become a rule? Somebody did something. Somebody, Somebody did, did something. something. Yes. And, but, and, but, and likely but, a child got hurt. But that's been happening since the beginning of time. I think that, let's be honest, the litigious nature of our society is what has caused. At some point, a child got hurt in probably what was not a completely unreasonable way. And the lawsuits started to to happen. And this was a way to now try and have some insurances against, you know, the, the litigation that comes with a lot of that. And I think there is a, a bit of tension between birth parents and the fostering system yes. that they took my child away. And so if I can get them and hurt and them, so, and I if I can hurt them the way they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. So, so you have you have that as, but then it brings in a um, another exit. Mimi's having to exit for a second to go check on the young man. Um, and you can bring him down here if you need to, Mimi. Um, Mimi, by the way, is what the the kids call Megan. Um, for those of you who are wondering, but this steps into. The other controversial, we've lost both our women. They're walking away. It's okay. (laughs) Back to our normal podcast. (laughs) Um, Again, abortion being the controversy that it is and accepting for the point of argument that, okay, we're not going to discontinue the development of life where care is not an option within the birth family's home. Now we have to find options for care. We have a lot of young boys and girls out there that need loving homes. And they're still making them. You know, there's not like a cutoff. No, no. The, okay. the, the manufacturing process has not slowed. <laughs> exactly. It has not. <laughs> so. so with that reality, reality, people, it's a reality. I also struggle with a certain psychology that I think a lot of uh desirous young parents or potential parents are dealing with. And, and I don't understand this because of my history. Um, even intellectually, I don't, I, I can understand it, but I can't understand it emotionally. The struggle that a lot of people who are not able to easily conceive, a lot of young uh, uh, people are going through the process of in vitro and doctor-assisted pregnancies and this, that, and the other. And again, I, the desire to go through the process of birthing and, and raising a child in that natural way, I understand. I understand. But I think that there is a psychology that I've witnessed around a lot of people that somehow that child that if we adopt will not be our own in the same way, mm. that I won't love in the same mm. way, that somehow I could lose potentially, that, you know, could come come back and be taken away from me, that there are... Uh, that that there are guarantees I won't have with an adoptive situation 
or child that I don't have to worry about if we uh, give birth to the child. And again, there are no guarantees about anything. Well, as the father of a dyslexic son, guess what? Sometimes things happen and you have to adopt. But but I think it's an interesting thing for you, Mike, specifically, because you've got your two boys and there's a little boy upstairs that I would say you love him no less than the other no, two. No, he's he's right there with him. Absolutely. So, and, and you know that's that's the and and you know you kind of described our situation and the two of you've been encouraging us long before we realized what we wanted to to consider uh, fostering and, and potentially adopting. And, and we'd had a lot of discussions about this when we got married because we're unable to have children biologically, and, and so uh, we had talked about it and and it would pop up every year or two and we'd rediscuss it. And, and then there was a time where we had talked about perhaps adopting an older uh, young man mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, and there was a, actually a young We're, man. And there's a great need. Oh yeah. There's and there was a, a young man need. who came actually really close yeah. to, to being, being that. And I, I do, I will full, full disclosure. I regret to this day that we didn't adopt him. Um, and he's still in our lives. Uh, we mm-hmm. still hear from him quite often, but, and now as a dad as well, but, uh, yeah, we, we had discussed it and discussed it. And, and if I was going to send a message out uh, to anyone who's listening, regardless of your political beliefs, mm-hmm. I don't care where you fall on the abortion no, no, issue. No. I, we know many parents who are pro-choice, uh, who also foster and, and yeah, are in course. the system and, and doing good things. I, I think everyone should consider if... Well, uh, I, I struggle <laughs> with, I'll just say it, write your letters, people. It's all right. Um, I struggle with people who are adamantly uh, uh, what what they call pro-life, which I have a problem with that term, too, because I'm not pro-life just because I'm pro. I'm not anti-life just because I'm pro-choice, uh, whoever I may be. But this idea that we are vehemently against uh, abortion, which in and of itself, fine, I'm OK with that. But I think then you have to be in in some fashion supportive of the various options and if it's not you provide for these children it's not you then do something to support the system but that's my point the kids out of the home we have to be willing to 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 care as a village for these children and you can say well they should have been responsible well look what should have could have would have it doesn't matter these children are now in the world and they're continuing to be in the world and we cannot just throw them out to the wolves. Well, the other thing is, is uh, the excuse I often hear is I'm too old. Well, let me tell you from personal experience. Hell, I'm too old. You, you, ain't, you ain't too old. Uh, and Megan, it's, it could be harder, I think. You I, know. I'm sure it is harder. Megan, um, I mean, I know it's been a bit of a challenge, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it is. I'm not as energetic as I was if we had gotten... A child when I was in my 30s. Well, I think it's worth pointing out mm-hmm. uh, you're in your last year of profession. Yes. I mean, you're, you're thus profession. You're maybe a second round of something. Right. But you're literally in your your ultimate uh, retirement year. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And and you've got a one-year-old at home. Yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, while After, that... What, 30, 30, 30 years. 30 years. So, so... 30 years teaching, by the way, people. Yes. In the Send in your city, flowers. In the inner city, no less. <laughs> and, and real quick, just to brag on my wife. Um, yeah. Uh, she walked into an elementary school, kindergarten teacher, 21 years old, and I talked to a, a friend of ours, and she said, and, and the ladies of Haitian descent, mm-hmm. it is pertinent in what I'm getting ready to say, and... 
she said she saw this little white girl walk in the school and said, ain't no way little sweetie going to make it. Here we are 30 years later. <laughs> now, she does drink, people. Let's be honest. <laughs> 30 years later, she hasn't left that community. She no. has taught no. that community her entire career. Uh, I, now, this, that, this, this starts to go into uh, an education show where we talk about gonna, teachers and communities. We're, and we're not going to go there. But, my, but the point is, she is the, the poster child for a uh, committed educator and, and a career uh, lover of, of, of young people and, and the advancement amen, of young minds. But the positive of, of her being at the, Megan being at the end of her career is now she can focus on this little guy. And right. yes, we're older. We don't have the energy. Uh, this morning when he was headbutting me at, at <laughs> six o'clock this morning because he wanted me to get up and, and go feed him. And when I wouldn't respond, went over and, and knocked her upside the head. Uh, he, he, and he doesn't mean anything by don't he's, write your letters he's just being boisterous you know he's just being boisterous yeah. he's not hitting you he's, he's being just, a 15 month old yeah, yeah he's rolling around the bed and, and or, or, playing uh, it's called playing yes you know? and playing with us and uh, you know I, I'm sure at that moment we both were like we're too old for this nonsense <laughs> but but um, Megan will be able to help him on his developmental cycle because she was an elementary ed kindergarten teacher no. <laughs> well, and, and you look at our Megan's and my brother was born when, you know, our parents thought that they were at the end of their child child rearing abilities and surprise. Well, yeah, me too. And well, and, and it's I remember sitting downstairs once with my dad. It was an early Saturday morning, and dad and I were talking about many memories that we had had as a family growing up because Megan was in college. I was nearing the end of high school and our younger sister was, she was entering high school. And I said something to my dad about, think of how much he's missed. And my dad said, think of how much we still have to give him. Right. And I think it's that reality that yes, there are things in your life that this young man has missed, but there's a lot more that you can give to him. So I think, you know, the point of, yeah, you get a little less energy, but age agnostic, there's a lot that you guys can still do. And a lot of experiences you have to share. Exactly. Exactly. Though, you know, like I said, I'm at the end of my career, so I'm going to have time to do. You're life. about to start a new one. Right. And I'm <laughs> going to have a lot of time on my uh, to to do some different things. Oh, you ain't having any time. <laughs> <laughs> but to do some different things with him that I have that I, ha- you know, haven't done. Yeah. Because I haven't had a, a, a small child in my life before. So I think the moral of this this tale is that there are it's there are a lot of challenges, there are a lot of hoops to 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 jump through and hurdles to leap. But I have never met in all my meetings of 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 people a single person no matter how difficult all night crying sessions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. struggles, broken things, tossed, whatever. I have never met somebody who has opened their home and their generosity and their heart that at the other end of the, the process looked back and said, well, that wasn't worth it. No, I, here, here. The, the payoff's huge. <laughs> exactly. The payoff's huge. And by the way, uh, if you want to help uh, 
there are things you can do even if you don't want to foster a child. Oh, no, and, and I'm glad that, you said that because it's the thing. It's it's not that you have to necessarily feel obligated to open up your, your home mm-hmm. in, in the way. Some people just can't. That's not an option. But your heart can be open in anything. And there, the, the, the world of caring for the, the world of children who need caring for. By the way, and we're only talking in an American context. Yes. There this is are, a worldwide thing. It's yes. a globe yes. of people who, who every child, every child deserves a loving home uh, and needs a loving home and unfortunately will not get one. Uh, so we have to be willing to open our hearts. Uh, and it doesn't just mean writing a check. It doesn't just mean, you know, the, but, the bearded but guy on the TV. You can but, write a check. Well, that's, that you works. can write a check. There, there are agencies or organizations out there that support foster parents by providing birthday presents, mm-hmm. Christmas presents, regardless of what the foster parents' incomes are. Uh, there are organizations out there who are contributing to the adoption process. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, several of them are Christian charities, but they're also Jewish and, and, and religious, non, non-religious institutions. Often, there are large number of, of, of I think it's primarily religious based organizations. There, there are some are other private privately ones, speaking, that do it. Yeah. And, and we're actually entering into the private system because the state did cut ties with us. So we have yeah. to we have to go into the private system to adopt him. But but if you would think of supporting those agencies, if you do want to yeah. stroke a check because that's all you have time for, they're that's always funny. desperate for money because kids have billions and billions of needs we don't even think about. Yeah. So so I'm I'm just going to encourage them. But you know we need to roll into thank yous, and and so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to thank. Your beautiful wife, Erin, for joining us on this podcast. Well, and, and, and your beautiful <laughs> wife, Megan. Absolutely. Um, not that I have any intentions, Megan. Please don't misunderstand. <laughs> Didn't think of it that way. So, yes, we... we, we In we, this case, that is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we do thank you both for providing your input and your uh, uh, view of how this works. In addition, I want to thank my co-host, Mr. Charles Sacrese, for sharing a little of his personal story. I, I know asking you... To do this, I was a little, I, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable, and you graciously agreed to talk about this subject, which is near and dear to you personally, uh, both in a, as a as a adopted son and watching other children being fostered within your parents' homes. So, thank you for all of this. I want to thank you guys for inviting us to be a part of this You're conversation. Welcome. Come again. Thank you very much. Come again. Um, so you have people to thank. And, well, and and to be clear, I mean, yes, I obviously have some very hands-on uh, experience in this world, you, but mine are further apart from yours, which are literally on uh, hands-on today. So. Uh, you know, on behalf of humanity, thank you two for doing yes, what you're doing. Yes, So yes, of course. We now usually we're recording at uh, Sacred Heart University and, and producing the show through there uh, with our illustrious, capable engineer and occasional co-host Keith Sedroyevi. Uh Today we are in uh, this here living room. So I guess thank us. <laughs> and, uh, and Keith who continues and, to... <laughs> well definitely Keith he doesn't know what's coming his way um, by the way uh, the reason you don't hear children uh, screaming and hollering in the background is because Peter is still in the house Pri- prior guest on the show and he's actually taken it upon himself uh, at probably great personal cost yes he, he was, was voluntold <laughs> he was voluntold to hey do some of these children while we need to record here um, so we'll thank Peter uh, as well but the uh, School of Communications and the Arts 
arts at uh, Sacred Heart University, Dr. Chip Castingay, uh, the Lazarus Trio, Carl Groves and Mike Koniger. By the uh, way, Carl Groves, who also adopted a child. Oh, really? Yes, and and as uh, we just spent uh, in the springtime, spent a weekend with them, and and he's becoming. It's funny because he's of Asian descent, but he has that nice Tennessee accent thing going. <laughs> but but yeah, wonder again reached out and. and did what his heart directed him to and and so that young man is thriving and doing very well thank you carl <laughs> uh on, on several levels apparently um and of course dr mike oh. dr mike conager <laughs> thank you tim sweeney wherever you are so hey everyone we really appreciate you listening please go out there and give us those five star uh five stars on and your, write um, us uh, bang press mash whatever they call that button that that gives us the likes we need your reviews spread the word Social media, share us on social media. All of that good stuff. We can be found wherever podcasts are found. Civil discourse. This is not a safe space. And we want to hear from you. Uh, have you had experience with adoption, foster care? What's, what's the email address? Uh, I think it's something like civil discourse. TNSS, that stands for This Is Not a Safe Space, Civil Discourse TNSS at gmail.com. Send Let's those hear your emails. Thoughts. Absolutely. <laughs> and until next time, Dr. Bike. Thank you. Thank you. Charles, appreciate you. We want a game, and we want you now. We want a game, we want you now. We want a game, we want you now. We want a game. Surrender